Welcome to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on November 27th, 2022. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There you will find the full online worship service from which this sermon is taken. And if you would like to give gifts to help sustain the ministries at St. Mark's, you'll find information on how to do that there as well. And now, here's pastoral intern Andrew Larson with the Gospel reading. Our Gospel reading today comes from the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was bound to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to Advent, a season of anticipation where we will discover over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas ways that we are drawn closer to each other and to the blessing of Jesus' birth. This Advent season, we are exploring hope, peace, joy, and love, guiding messages to shape our time together and make sense of Advent this year. And we also just celebrated Thanksgiving a few days back. My parents recently moved to Washington, so it was their first time hosting this meal of gratitude for family and friends. I love to cook, so Thanksgiving is always one of my favorite holidays. There are all the familiar dishes on the table, uh, including a beloved Jello-based delicacy that we simply call orange stuff. It's really good. There were smiling faces of friends and family that were seated around the table. And though the setting was different this year, the important parts were still there. It was a great time for laughter, joy, connection, and gratitude. But it did make me think and reflect on the other Thanksgivings when I was not in this country, where the setting was even more drastically different than hosting here uh, in the South Sound. My Thanksgivings in Comoros, for example, where we ate chicken wings cooked over charcoal grills and stuffing made from French baguettes. Or in the Philippines, where I learned that the word bulaklak in Tagalog means both flour when speaking about plants, but also pig intestine when speaking about food. Or in Kosovo, when I was studying away in college, we could not find turkeys, so we roasted chickens instead. We had fresh roasted chestnuts from the street vendor outside our home, homemade pumpkin pies, and more. Our bread for our stuffing wouldn't dry out, so we had to put it on our radiator in our cold Kosovar apartment to help make our stale cubed bread and Eventually, we got there with some ingenuity and clever thinking. At that Kosovo Thanksgiving, we shared our meal with our hosts, watched some soccer, and enjoyed an amazing evening together. 
All of these moments centered around a table of food were full of gratitude and thanks. The barriers of religion and language and nationality didn't seem to matter as much. If more folks could just sit down and share a meal together, express their gratitude, what would that do for our, our peace and justice that we desire? I remember these Thanksgivings so fondly because of their unique settings and friends, and of course the good food. But I also remember them so vividly because it was hopeful. Hope was dancing through the air, leaping from laugh to laugh, racing between the mixed plates of food and mixed cultures. It was hopeful to see that the world does not need to live through division and pain. It was hopeful to see people come together and celebrate what it means to be beautifully broken humans. Hope was the best dessert that we could eat at each of those meals. It was always full of hope. And it seems like hope does just that. It is infectious. You want to share it with others. You want to let it shine out. Feeling hopeful is an indescribable feeling, really. And hope knowing that we're accompanied by God, that's incredible. Hope that is stirred by the Holy Spirit as we navigate the complexity of life what an amazing gift. Hope as center of beautiful relationships and experiences. And God's hope is abundant and plentiful. And the hope we find in God cannot be contained. God transcends and breaks out of boundaries, bringing hope to a tired and weary world. God's hope that can work in ways that goes beyond our understanding, where we might have to push the limits of our imagination and dream bigger God's hope that can work in ways that do not always align with the way that things have been done, but always aligns with the mission of boundless love and endless grace. Favoring of our own judgment of who is in and who is out, we too often displace the Lord our God as sovereign of all that is. Whether it's in politics or religion painted with a, a thin veneer of righteousness or faith, disregards others in favor of exclusivity, all of those things displace God as Lord of all. Similar and not unlike the 6th century BC text that we hear about Isaiah, the Lord spoke through the prophet. God's hope for the world is far wider than any of us tend to imagine. In Isaiah today, we hear God extending their promise of hope, going beyond the line drawing or pick aside mentality Instead, a boundary-breaking hope that swells up, bringing along with it the outcasts of Israel. This is not some half-baked invitation to the foreigner and the eunuch in, within this text. There's full inclusion, a place at the table, a voice to be heard. Joyful shouts at their presence, enriched by their contribution to the community. They are bound up in the hopeful covenant of God, the everlasting covenant is not about exclusion. It's about inclusion, radical inclusion, an inclusion so radical that it reinterprets scripture, an expansive, overwhelming inclusion. God who sees the boundaries and limited spaces created by humans and transcends them, breaks them, overcomes them, and says all are welcome into my abundance of love grace, and hope. 
Our boundary-breaking God of hope says that my justice, doing what is right, is about opening up your heart to new possibilities, new communities, and new relationships. Do not stumble over the small and simple categories you create for me and your communities. Instead, be wild in your dreaming. Be courageous with your hope. Dream big and then dream even bigger again. God is saying to us through these scriptures and this Advent Sunday, I can make what you say is impossible, possible. I am the God of hope and nothing, absolutely nothing can contain my love for you. Do we really think that we have fully discerned the full extent of God's steadfast love and faithfulness for us? No, the divine calls us in and where any boundary that we might want to be construct around God's steadfast, sure love is shattered. Radical inclusion and transcendent love are important marks of our theology. This boundary-breaking extension of hope and love is that a gift from the divine that we actually can understand through queer theology. It's one of the aspects we gain from studying scripture and our God through queer frameworks. One of the ways that we can know our creator more creatively and wonderfully. So what, what exactly do I mean? This might be new to you. For example, a feminist theology might look at scripture and pay attention to the voices of women. A feminist theology might understand God through what it means to be a mother, a sister, and a friend. We may understand our God through various lenses, through feminist or womanist lenses, through liberation and justice, or perhaps we look at our holy texts through the lens of care, of creation, and ecological concern. And queer theology is a lens and way of making sense of God in amazing and unique ways. Adding a voice to the diverse choir in how we relate to our creator. And I use the word queer as an expansive definition that does not get ca caught up in the acronyms and abbreviations. We know our abbreviations of like LGBTQIA. But queer includes the vast diversity of gender expressions and sexualities. And within queer theology, these are gifts of theology for the whole church. They are not tightly bound within one sector. Queer theology is about going to the text with imagination and looking beyond the ways that we've been taught to ignore sexuality, gender, and minorities. To take a deeper look, our collective understanding of God is ever evolving, and voices from the queer community are important to listen to. Believing that queer people exemplify God's transformative, boundary-breaking spirit. The church is incomplete without its queer members and their theological insights. Queer theology is about radical inclusion and blurring those rigid lines and boundaries into something that is more affirming and grounded in scripture. And queer theology is not about being an apologist and trying to justify why people in our church and community should be loved and cared for. We know and proudly proclaim as a church that all are created beautifully and wonderfully made by our God. Each and every person bears the image of the divine and they are valued siblings in Christ. That has been a foundation of St. Mark's and will continue to guide this community. Additionally, queer theology is not just about riddling away those harmful passages or past doctrines that diminish the sanctity of, of communities. No, queer theology is so much more. 
it says to the world that there is something valuable, important, and life-giving in understanding God through this lens. There are unique and specific ways that the mystery of the divine can unfold upon you if you're open to the joy of unbounded love. So instead, queer theology today with our boundary-breaking God invites us in to look at our awe-inspiring, merciful, compassionate God and see that there is nothing that can contain their glory. The three-in-one Trinitarian God who is a liberator and diffuser of divisions. Queer theology says that God is an active agent in breaking down boundaries that keep us from fully experiencing grace and hope. God overcomes divisions and instead celebrates the diversity of all creation. God can break into those dark moments. God can come out of dualistic thinking and into something more fluid and beautiful. God's boundless hope is fluid and moving and can finding a home within our hearts and our souls. Our God can break through the walls that we put up time and time again. Boundless hope, the wild dreams and bold imagining help us in this process. It is the graying of boundaries that we so desperately cling to sometimes. Binary divisions that don't successfully and consistently capture all the reality of our world. Our faith, our God, our relationships cannot put cleanly and neatly into categories or boxes. Binary thinking certainly does not capture the reality of God. And yet we continue to still create the boundaries that keep out the mission of God from becoming a lived reality. But those walls can be torn down. They can be muddled, that division between what is the sacred and the mundane. For example, turned upside down by the much anticipated birth of Jesus Christ, the divine made flesh. The blurring of lines between individual and community when we remember our commitment to each other the breaking down of the powerful over the weak, and instead uplifting the marginalized and the outcasts. God is there in those liminal spaces, or the thresholds of our world melt away into the glory of righteousness and love, where the sacred can be more profoundly felt. Liminal spaces where boundaries do not hold their same power, but invite a new understanding and relationship. A boundless God of hope can see those thin and permeable spaces and enter in. Richard Rohr says about these types of places that boundaries need to be opened up in the chaos of the liminal space invited in. He says this, this is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart and a bigger world is revealed. If we don't encounter liminal spaces in our lives, we start idealizing normalcy. The threshold is God's waiting room. We are taught openness and patience as we come to and expect an appointment with the divine doctor. Our God is a God of hope that can overcome any of these arbitrary human creations of boundary. Reveal a bigger world to us. Expansive and wonderful inclusion are the cornerstones of God's covenant of hope for us. God is fluid. God is boundless. God cannot be contained. So how do we let that boundless love into our hearts? Where do we make a home for hope within ourselves and within this community? Because hope can be scary, intimidating, and challenging. Too often I feel the 
the cap, feel captive to the turmoil and anguish around me, looking at the world and saying, I still have hope is a courageous act. We've seen terrible injustices come to light as our neighbors aren't all treated equally, the pain and suffering of mass shootings and terrible violence, the world seemingly falling apart. Hope in the face of all of that is challenging, incredibly challenging. Hope is hard. And hope is different than expectations. We might expect certain things to go a certain way and be filled with disappointment when they don't. Hope is different also from passive acceptance. It isn't just about saying it is what it is and leaving it at that. No, hope is more than both of those things. Hope is active, it takes our energy and commitment, and it is courageous. So how do we make a home for hope? When I was with my intern support committee this last week, they talked about hope and the power of hope and the struggle of hope. And more than one voice within that group expressed that when hope is all placed upon a singular person, it faltered and struggled. Maintaining that light and spark of hope as an individual is exhausting, maybe even impossible. Hope needs relationship and community to stay radiant. Hope is sustained by community and connection. Hope cannot ride all on one person. Instead, hope grows what can feed off of each other. A community of hope is a community of resilience. And we also make a home for hope because we have a relationship with Jesus. This first Sunday of Advent, we wait in anticipation and hopeful longing for the coming of that infant child. The instilling of hope onto our hearts with the birth of the Messiah. Our gospel text this morning, though it may be getting a bit ahead of us, by already hearing about Mary's birth of Jesus. I picked it intentionally. For what a perfect example of boundary-breaking, boundless God than the anticipated birth of Jesus. God who can be work beyond our human confines. God who elects Mary and accompanies her in the birth of their son. Even though all of our preconceived notions otherwise, which should say that this should never happen. It shouldn't be able to happen the virgin who becomes pregnant and gives birth to Emmanuel, God with us. God who cannot be contained and is an active agent in the creation of their kingdom. And that relationship with Jesus is where hope invites in surprises. Jesus Christ, who is a boundary crosser extraordinaire, a prophet king born in a manger, is a surprising and amazing place to find our hope in this messy and scary world. Thanks be to God for a creator who can work in such imaginative and awesome ways. Advent is a perfect time to remember that we are followers and siblings who find comfort and security in the non-binary divine human Jesus Christ, the divine and the human in one. Advent is a time for unchecked and flourishing hope. And I fully believe that there's already hope in this congregation. This community makes hope a reality and is capable of being the mission of justice and peace for our world. We yearn together for a community that feels the fullness of God's love to all people and to all of creation. This community is a place where nourishing and supportive presence and of the faithful is felt here. And yet with that, I still invite you to dream big and have wild ideas. Let your imagination soar and wild hopes take root into your heart. Do not push them away. Do not snuff out their light. 
Cast off your hesitancies and do not let fear confine you. God's mission may subvert your expectations. I know what this church is capable of when your dreams are big and hope is in abundance. Your invitation is to dream. Dream big. Provide a hope for this community. And let your imagination run wild. Do not be limited. Do not grow too small in your expectations. Let it radiate out to the world. Our dreams moving forward can set into motion what comes next. Dreams of restructured sense of community, a recommitment to discipleship that focuses on justice and reconciliation. Our dreams keep the door open when the terrible and topsy-turvy world would rather slam the door shut. Bold and boundless God of hope keeps the possibility of new and right beginnings open to all of us. Our God can break through the walls we put up time and time again. Boundless hope, the wild dreams and bold imagining help us in this process to tear down those boundaries. And you are bound up in this expansive and inclusive covenant of Jesus Christ. Boundary crosser extraordinaire. Thanks be to God for a hope like that. Amen.